Have you known someone who was a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde split personality? As a psychotherapist for over 21 years, it took Rihanna Milne's own experience with a sociopathic husband to have the marriage annulled and delve into research to help others in that same position. Do I have your attention? I think so. I am looking forward so much to hearing what Rihanna is going to share with us today and not only her experience but to also give us tips on people who may be experiencing something similar. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Grant. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Grant. Rihanna Milne is a certified global life and love trauma recovery coach, a certified clinical trauma and addictions professional, a certified mindfulness coach, number one best-selling author, the host of her podcast, which is called Lessons in Life and Love, an educational speaker, and a licensed mental health counselor for over 21 years. Welcome, Rihanna. Hi, Carol. Thank you for having me. Hi, Ab- everyone. <laughs> hi, yes, and they're all saying hi back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we have a lot of ground to cover, and I know that you're going. I read over all the information that you sent me, and we could probably talk for a full day, but we're going to go over some of the key things that I believe my audience would be interested in. And I so appreciate you sharing your experience and thoughts and helps and tips with us today. Sure. So Happy the, to do so. The first thing I would like to ask you, because that's, I think, where a lot of this started, is your own experience with a sociopathic husband. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like to label anyone. Uh, What I discovered was he was a man that had severe childhood trauma. And I have a triple master's in clinical and counseling psychology and started my own practice in year 2000. And when I went for schooling, we did not hear that term at all. It did not exist. It's not in the DSM book, which is all the psychological diagnosis that as a therapist you have to give to people. Uh sociopath existed but we really you know we always put that sociopath psychopath way up there as like wow who knows one of those people and i read ironically when i did the research in 2011 uh, martha stout's book the sociopath next door said one in 25 were sociopathic now they're saying more than numbers are six or seven people are sociopathic and simply the sociopath is someone that uses another person 
for pleasure, profit, or lifestyle advancement. Hmm. And there's no remorse. And um, when I developed the childhood trauma checklist in that same time period, 2012, I was pulling from all my years of experience of working with people from trauma. So I worked at every school level from kindergarten through college. Part was a school psychologist. The other was a school uh, SAC counselor, student assistance counselor that worked with the emotionally upset child. Then I worked in a mental health unit, the child and adolescent unit of a hospital with kids 5 through 19. I worked in a teen rehab center, drug and alcohol rehab center, and women from the prison system. So no matter what their ages, their background, how they got themselves into a traumatic state, they all shared the top 10 childhood traumas, and that's what I put on my checklist. That's amazing. So um, how did I get to meet this person? Well, like most people, I fell in love with someone by chemistry. What the research shows is someone that had childhood trauma tends to attract someone with childhood trauma. Hmm. But here's the facts. We all have childhood trauma. Hmm. It depends what your trauma is and theirs, and that causes the, quote, chemistry, unquote. So when you have no other dating skills other than what we learn from the fairy tales, like Sleeping Beauty, you know, the handsome prince comes, he kisses, there's sparks, there's chemistry. Wow, let's fall in love. That's one of the most dangerous ways to fall in love. So um, does the sociopath target women? Yes. Um, And it could be a female that targets a successful male. So who gets conned by the sociopath? They're good-hearted people. They're forgiving. Um, If they're married to them, they like to keep peace in the family, and sometimes they're financially dependent on that person. Uh, If they love them, they want to believe that they can change, so they give them chance after chance. They tend to be spiritually forgiving. Um, They, you know, if you give them any types of hope, they tend to keep coming back. They might miss the attention. If this was a woman that did not get attention as a child and the sociopath loves love bombs them, gives them a lot of love, attention, gifts, emails, you would think, wow, I have the best guy ever, you know, and that's what happened, right? So you don't see it initially. Um, They tend to seek out rescuers, teachers, wealthy people, Mm -hmm. oil. And anyone that could be used to cheap drama or dramatic situations. Once I uncovered that he, my ex, had nine out of the ten top traumas <laughs> and the severity level of nine and ten, um, then I understood where his sabotaging behavior came from. And the first clue I had was when he said, I don't know why I ruin everything I love. So he, in his mind, had love feelings for me, but he, his fear and his unconscious behavioral patterns mm-hmm. were stronger that mm. caused him to act up and have a secret life. So when I wrote the book, my number one bestseller, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve, I sent him a copy and he goes, oh my God, put my picture on the cover on the poster child. <laughs> I finally know what's wrong with me. And that statement brought us a lot of peace. Of course. Because seven psychotherapists could not help me, Carol. I had a lot of friends. I was a psychotherapist. I didn't learn this. They didn't learn this. Nobody knew what was going on. 
everyone thought, including me, we had this idyllic romantic relationship, and we did. That's the thing that was so mind-boggling. And the fact that he had a whole secret life, which was uncovered in his school, he was a principal in a school, that's where things exploded. So it exploded at the school level where he was fired, and then in the community with the school board, and then in my life, and then in my business, you know, so everything in my life was impacted. And the first thing I said is, I've got to stand up for myself and get out of this marriage and then heal. And that was the steps that I took. And the healing was my research for two years. And going into my books and my notebooks that my clients use today for their own healing. And it was fascinating work. And that's when I said, I've got to take this global. So that's how it all came to be. Yeah. How did you get an annulment? I stood up for myself as my own attorney. <laughs> Good for which you. Which is very rare. And I didn't realize it was rare. I was, you know, I went to my, my attorney that did my prenup and she goes, well, I need $4,000. And I'm like, well, I don't have that at this moment. So I'll think about it. And I went home and I wrote up my own case using case law. I went down to the law libraries and there is something called a pro se attorney. You serve as your own attorney. I wrote up the case of sociopathy, fraud and addiction and won the case. And the judge says, Miss Milne, in 32 years of being a family court judge, I've only granted one annulment, slams the gavel and he goes, and yours is the second. I've never <laughs> seen a, a more brilliant case. Uh, and I was able to get a private courtroom because I was fairly a public figure in my, my area of Jersey. So I could, you know, do this mm. on my own. I had all the research done and won the case. That's amazing. I hope, mm-hmm. I hope you celebrate it and gave yourself a pat on the back for that one. I did. I took myself <laughs> on a magnificent vacation. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm sure that there are warning signals. And you may or may not, when you're in a situation like you were in, you may or may not even see them. Can you help our audience possibly in this vein to, if there is a way to recognize those warning tips? I know you touched on a couple of them, but maybe I'll take it a little deeper. Um, I'm going to go off Dr. Hare's checklist of sociopathy, which is really quite good. Um, they could be jealous and controlling. They try to isolate their partner from family and friends. And not all this will happen. Some would happen. Like that did not happen in my case. Okay. So you you can't say all these have to be existing. Only some do. Um, Expecting perfectionism in their mate. Impulsive. Prone to several addictions. That could be alcohol, sex, pills, pornography. Ruthless and emotionless, no remorse, so never apologize. That one was in my case. I'm still yet to hear an apology. Um, Moody, difficult and demanding, um, acts out of pure desire, does not have conscious thought, like, this could hurt my partner. This could ruin Mm -hmm. my job, you know, my reputation, but no conscious awareness. Um, They have a high craving for money, status, and power, and they use others to get it. They tend to be a loner. They don't really have friends. If they do, that friend's a little bit subservient, or they're also toxic. So if they're a cheater, then their friends tend to be cheaters. Inconsistent and poor work history, or they get by on their charm. They have a lot of superficial charm. Uh, Demanding and promiscuous sexually. To them, sex equals power. This would be the man that if his wife says, 
um, hun, I'm tired tonight, but maybe tomorrow, love you, he might like storm out and have a temper tantrum because yeah. she said no. So um, very up wrapped with sex, sexuality and ego. Um, there could be earlier de behavioral problems mixed up with juvenile delinquency or some adult criminal history. Uh, they desire fast marriages to a wealthy partner. And one of the best films I saw was Dirty John series. That is a classic textbook case of a sociopath, and it is a true story, um, you know, where she was a wealthy architect, a good woman, a good mom, hardworking lady, Christian, went to church, you know. So here was this guy that came from nothing and created this whole persona of who he was to win this woman you know, schmoozed her and got her married without the family knowing it. So now he shares half of everything of hers and he starts trying to, you know, take over her life. And then he actually turns psychopathic. And the difference between the two, the psychopath has all the same traits as a sociopath, but the psychopath has more cunning mindset. Okay. More calculating over time, like a Bernie Madoff, who over time ripped people off in a very calculating way and, of course, with no remorse. And then the psychopath is able to kill. So that's the difference between the two. But a lot of that, uh, other things, they both are narcissists. They both lack empathy, no guilt or remorse for their actions, even if they're friends and family spotnet they always act out um however um the psychopath can have more control more emotional physical control due to that criminal mindset that's a perfect example and i did watch that series it was amazing and yeah. you, you really you, you really were rooting you know for her and you i'm sure that in most people that watch it a lot of emotions were stirred up so i thank you for sharing that 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 was an excellent excellent analogy sure. my question is during the time that you were going through this realization did you have any issues with guilt like how to basically beating yourself up of why you didn't see this why you weren't alerted earlier etc. And then possibly when you did take the step to end the marriage, how did you deal with all those emotions? No guilt whatsoever. <laughs> I knew I was a good and loyal partner. I know I'm a good woman, smart businesswoman, a great mother, a loyal lifelong friend to many people. And when I did the research, I knew I was targeted oh, that's... because I have a good heart. I'm also oh. spiritual. I'm also Reverend Rihanna. So, yes, I knew that I was targeted by someone who was very charming and loving. And, hey, oh. we had a good time. So, but was I going to forgive him? No, because this character flaw is very deep. Uh -huh. Once this was uncovered, I knew the marriage had to end and I had to heal. So I was not going to give um, another chance. It's like, you know, save yourself. And that's what I did. So, no, I had no guilt or remorse in ending that marriage. It was difficult to uh, be in my world, you know, when everyone was so used to us together. It's like, where's he? You know, and it's like, oh, you don't know what happened. Well, what happened? And it's like, so to have to repeat the story was a, a kind of a hassle. 
Um, but it was a time where I really devoted to my research and my writing. And I wrote that 400-page book within six months from concept to writing it to the rough draft, the final rough draft delivered to my door. Um, and that was all within six months. So to write a 400-page professional book in that amount of time, it was quite, um, that's what I spend my time. That was my healing. My research was my healing, and I got the answers that I needed. That's interesting because that is such incredible therapy. I'm glad yeah. to have you share well, that. Well, the of the research, like, who was he? Why did he do this? And that's how I uncovered the childhood traumas. I'm like... Well, yes, he did have the alcoholic father who beat him and they came from poverty and the docile mother that would never stand up for him. You know, so going through the checklist, he had nine of the 10 things that I created and using him as an example and the other clients I worked with, I'm like, these top 10 keep coming up over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. And they're also listed in Ronnie, uh, Sylvia Kay and Ronnie Fisher's The ACOA Checklist which I have available on my website, RihannaMilne.com. So it will go through, you know, if you've experienced any of that as a young person or feeling those ways today, um, that these are some of the signs that you could be suffering from childhood trauma. Now, if the research shows at that time when I was doing it, 90% of us have at least one to three of the top 10 traumas on the list. Then the standing joke after that, well, the other 10% are sociopath and psychopath and would never say anything's wrong with them. <laughs> so, but now, I mean, the pe- people who talk on trauma are all saying everyone has childhood trauma. It's just everyone has it. So, um, and then there's big T trauma and little t trauma, which is new terms that have been floating around for the past couple uh-huh. of years as well. Um, but I was happy to see the Kaiser Permanente study come out, and I think I finally saw that in 2016, where they did the people with unhealed childhood trauma, how it led to early disease and death. So they did the correlation of the ongoing stress on the body. And my research was more about emotional health, love relationships, this relationship with self, how do you feel, like anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, so always doing all those self-analogies, and then how does it show up in business as well. So those were my areas, life, love, and business that I researched. That pretty well covers it all. Yeah. Yeah, I really didn't go into the uh-huh. physical health uh, like Kaiser did. Right, So I was right. happy to see their study. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a 30-second break, and then we're going to delve a little deeper into some destructive patterns and how we heal from this situation. So we'll be right back. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another, gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. 
this has been so interesting. And of course, as you're talking, Rihanna, I'm thinking of about 100 different people, you know, (laughs) as you're going through the different lists. I'm like, yes, yes. And sadly, some of them, you know, you wish you didn't see what you were explaining, because I understand why those marriages ended. And enough said. Anyway. Yeah. So what I want to know then, when you went through your research, what are the top 10 childhood traumas that you identified? Okay, I'll go through this list. And before I do, just I want to say a couple things. One, there are more than 10. But these are the top 10s in the work that I've done with my clients that I have seen show up over and over again. Second, the research shows that childhood trauma goes through at least three generations. So if you identify yourself having it, your parents definitely had childhood traumas and so did their parents. So we're not looking at this as blame or shame for your parents right now and no guilt or shame for yourselves. We're trying to look at this list as facts. Did this happen when you were a young and innocent person growing up in your environments? So it could be in the home, in the school, or in your neighborhood. So the first one was uh, around addiction. So did your mom or dad or caretakers have uh, any alcohol or drug addictions? Sex, meaning they were a chronic cheater and you knew about it. Porn, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, workaholism, and even social media or computer addiction today. And usually those activities, those compulsions would come before quality time with the child or impact quality time. The second one is verbal messages or verbal abuse. So you could have watched mom and dad fighting and yelling with each other, them yelling at you. It also includes verbal put downs or slights making you feel not good enough. It could also be never hearing the words, I love you, or personal compliments, like you did great on that kiddo, I'm proud of you. You know, those kids need to hear those messages. The third one is emotional abuse and neglect. The fourth one is physical abuse, so any kind of beatings, sexual abuse, rape, or molestation, again, needs in or outside of the home. The next one is abandonment, and there's two types, fault and no-fault abandonment. So no-fault abandonment would be occurring if a parent happened to die early when you were a child. It could be them going off to war to serve their country. It could also be a parent that travels a lot due to their work, and they're not home, but it's no-fault because that's how they support the family. Now, fault abandonment, which be an adult choosing not to be in the life of the child at all, or they're active in the life until the marriage or the relationship breaks up, then they barely see them. Or they could even be present in the home, but not emotionally connected. So very emotionally void, not attending the kids' schools, events, or activities. They're zoned out to TV or work or whatever. They're just not involved. Uh, And, you know, seeing kids a lot in the schools are like, I have to go to custody with my dad. He sits there all weekend watching football and doesn't even talk to me. I'm just in my room on my computer. I heard that so many times from kids. That's an example of emotional checkout. Okay, where they don't feel important. The next one would be if the child was part of the foster care system, which I worked a lot with those kids, kids of adoption that didn't feel wanted 
or kids that had to live in other people's homes, a grandmother, an aunt, or even a family friend, because the parent couldn't have you in their home or they lost their home. The next one, trauma seven, is one that most people can identify with. I call that personal trauma. And this is if you didn't feel good enough, you might have been a chubby and overweight child and teased for that, or had asthma and you're walking around with the inhaler in elementary school, you're identified as ADHD, or you're skinny and gawky and you're called the nerd. Um, you could have been a gay or lesbian teen trying to come out and be your authentic self and people teased you for that. You could have been the only African-American child in an all-Caucasian school. So you can see all these many examples mm-hmm. where kids mm-hmm. just don't feel they fit in or good enough. So this is a huge category with many, many examples I could give. Okay, trauma number eight is around the sibling. So sibling trauma could mean they bullied you and made you feel bad as you were growing up. They might have been born with a medical condition, so mom and dad had to give more of their time and attention to that sibling. Or most common, you perceive that sibling as being, quote, the golden child, the favored one, the star athlete, the more handsome or beautiful child, or the star student. And you just couldn't measure up. Trauma number nine is one that everyone can identify with. And like I said, back when I did this research, everyone has at least one to three trauma. This is one that everyone in our world has, and it's called community trauma. And a community trauma example is a COVID pandemic. We are all impacted in some way, whether it's our jobs, our family members getting sick, a friend dying from this. It's very impactful, and it's going to really show up in later years with our young people, our students, our kids that have to wear masks, can't play with their friends, they can't hug their friend, they're afraid if their parents go off to work, they might get sick and die, hearing death messages on the TV all the time. So it's going to have an impact when these young people become adults. Absolutely. But this is one we are all suffering with today. Community trauma is also our mother nature events, floods, fires, hurricanes, mudslides, where large communities are wiped out. And it's also our mass shootings and our school shootings. So you can see this part of trauma number nine is getting bigger and bigger as life goes on, unfortunately. The other half of nine is family trauma. So that could be the family impacted by any of those community events. It could be the family moving every two to four years because they're a military family and that makes the kid the new kid in the school all the time. Could be growing up in poverty or a dangerous neighborhood. Could be a parent being incarcerated or sick while that child is in younger years. So again, there's a lot of different family traumas that could be named. And then trauma 10 is mom or dad or your caretaker having a mental health issue. I'm part of the baby boomer generation. You probably are too, Carol, where we didn't see our parents go to counseling. Right. So we kind of have to guess, did they suffer with any of these? And the two most difficult is bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder. So quickly, borderline is erratic moods, fast tempers. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid. And the child never knows what they're going to get and when. These people would explode at the littlest thing that nobody else would get upset over. And bipolar is manic depressive. So depression can show up as anger, checking out emotionally or extreme fatigue. 
and a manic phase can be a high and happy phase, but often laced with an addiction, a gambling spree, a spending spree, an alcoholic binge. So that's usually in the manic phase. And that's the top 10 traumas that I identified. Wow. <laughs> that covers yeah. it all. So those I saw in my school students yes. and said the kids at the hospital yes. and in my ex. And he had nine of those. So you, you wonder why, you know, that the results come from this. Yes. And yeah. Incredibly thorough research. Very much appreciated. Really hope that anyone suffering with any one of these, but, you know, especially more than one, which you said is quite common, that they would connect with you and get your book and connect with you online in the very, and we'll talk about that and how you're available in a little bit. But first okay. of all, I want to ask you, do you have an example of some of these destructive patterns that may then emerge later in a love relationship because of the yeah. past childhood trauma? Okay. And this is how they show up. They do show up, like I said, in life, love, or business, but primarily love because your parents were the first love relationship a child was to experience. So if there were any faulty traumas going on, they're not going to have emotionally healthy, evolved, or conscious love relationships. And that's what I teach my people to have. So the destructive patterns could be, let's say, jealousy and control. Where does that come from? That comes from not feeling good enough. They lack personal control. So that could be trauma number seven, where they were teased and bullied. Um, so they're jealous because they feel they, that they don't deserve you or someone may steal that you from them. Um, they lack a sense of trust, low trust, low self-esteem. Um, so they sometimes hold on to their partner too tight and try to control their partner. And when they feel out of control, this is where they can get angry um, and then that just makes the partner want to get away from you. So what you fear the most usually comes from, you know, being too jealous and controlling. Uh, impulsivity is a side effect, make, making risky choices that de destroys yourself and your relationships and hurts your partner. Perfectionism and control there. Blaming behavior, not taking responsibility when you make a mistake. Women have a, uh, this one a lot called people-pleasing. They can't say no. They overdo for others. And they're so exhausted that it makes them angry and resentful. And they used to do this, you know, with a difficult mom or dad. They are all done as coping mechanisms. So, okay, if my alcoholic mom, who's always critical and yelling at me, is going to act out like this. And if I'm really sweet and please her and help with the siblings, mm -hmm. then maybe she won't yell at me, right? So they learn that this is how mom will love me and keep her, the child, safe at the same time. So these all come from that. Now, if there's people that experienced abandonment, the, the types I've described, they could be very clingy or codependent in a relationship. They usually have anxiety when the partner is gone. Um, if the partner turns them down, they may reach out to others to get attention, talk to others so that their ego is bumped up, uh, seeking attention from others. It also could lead to what we call RRS, relationship repetition syndrome, 
which means you have one toxic person, you break up, you read a bunch of books and say, now I got it, I'm going to do better. And then you have another toxic partner. And you might take, right. you know, <laughs> listen to three free classes and say, I got it now. And then you get another toxic partner. And then you finally stop and it's like, okay, what am I doing wrong? And that is the state of not knowing what you don't know. And that's where I was like, why, what, why am I attracting people like this when I'm such a good person? Um, and it's a, it's a very deep dive into your childhood past. So I have a system of psychotherapy, a certified coach, and I'm a certified clinical trauma professional. So these three modalities, plus the mindset for success, which I teach, and spiritual concepts, it's all blended together to help my clients heal, think in a different way, become very informed about how to date, uh, what to attract and saying yes, and what to keep away and say no to, and why. So it's a, it's a smarter, more intelligent way to date, leading to a more emotionally healthy person. So there's many others that come up um, as far as, you know, the traits in business that could show up, like you'll go so far, then you stop yourself. It's like, well, I shouldn't invest in this business coach because what if I waste my money? I don't know if I can do it. I don't think I could do what all these other people do. And then they just stop because there might have been lack messages. We don't have enough money type messages in your family growing up, or you don't really have that mindset for success or the confidence that you will succeed if you put your mind to it. So that's how it can show up in business. It also could show up as very ruthless and demanding competitiveness in the workplace um, or picking fights and trying to be better than everyone else so you excel. Uh, so it can show up in different ways. And then against the self, like dealing with ongoing anxiety, bouts of depression, isolation, problems with friends or problems with your kids. So it shows up in many different areas in life and love. I think we probably have triggered a lot of people and a lot of their thoughts and how they are relating. I mean, I was thinking as you were going through that list, whether it applied to me or to someone else. So there is, you really stimulated thought here, and I appreciate that. And we're going to definitely talk about, first of all, how do people heal from this and then we'll get into how you can help them with this so first okay. of all what is what can they do or can they heal from yes. this yes they're there's definitely healing and everything in my trauma work says it really does take about um six months of intensive work so that's why i work with my clients mostly one-on-one -on -one. so you want to definitely find a cctp certified clinical trauma professional as your coach, because like I said, us therapists do not learn this in our training. We just don't unless we get specially certified. And you know, if you keep doing what you're always doing and dating, that leads to insanity and this sadness of why do I keep getting toxic people? And knowledge is power. As a coach, it's a much more educational model than therapy. And that's why I devised a 150-page notebook, because it's interactive, how they answer those, those uh, assessments, very simple assessments, and they give them to me, is then I know how to help them back. So it's very individualized with what they experienced and the level of they, what they experienced. 
that tells me how I have to help them. Uh, we have to face their fears with the trauma work. And what we do is called awake to awareness. So we are training all these unconscious thoughts, which are fear-based negative thoughts and actions and making you totally conscious aware before you do anything, say anything, write out anything, how you act, everything becomes in full conscious awareness. And that takes time. We are retraining the brain. Um, You know, again, the education, it starts with self-love. You know, we have to raise your confidence, your self-esteem. That involves what we call reparenting. Because most people, the research says, eight out of 10 people have eight out of 10 negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. So we have to totally take that away, that, that critical voice inside your head. Uh, get rid of any cheap drama and negativity in your life. Um, then they have to learn, if they're single, the, the, the do's and don'ts of what we call conscious awareness and dating. So they're not falling in love by chemistry anymore. And for my couples that I work with, uh, I have to do the trauma work for partner A and partner B. And the third entity is the relationship. So how are they triggering each other? How are these uh, repetitive fights and, and put downs or nasty words keep going on and on? And then how do we recommunicate around the issues and the problems so that that is done? And when they learn this, they really do become each other's best friend and loyal, uh, loving companion. It's really beautiful to see these toxic relationships turn around. Um, So it's quite amazing. And I do work with both straight and LGBTQ couples as well and singles. So worst case scenario, when someone does nothing, what chances do they have? Well, they're going to keep repeating the same actions, right? So when people really have enough emotional pain, it's usually after a few toxic relationships, like that long toxic marriage, and then the next boyfriend is toxic, and then they have another one. That's when they recognize, whoa, something is wrong here. And that's usually when they come for help. But I always say, don't wait. I mean, my oldest client came to me at age 76. And he was an example of, he had four marriages, all four wives divorced him. He used to have an alcohol problem. Then he used to have a gambling problem. So that was all solved, but the personality was not changed. You can drop an addiction, but you don't change the personal traits. So when he finally went through the six month trauma healing work with me, the recovery work, he's now with a woman, what is it, two years now? They used to travel the world together and used to send me all his white knight pictures from the cruise ships <laughs> of them dancing. He goes, Rihanna, I am the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I have a wonderful woman and I am a good partner and I feel great about who I am as a man. I'm a good man. I'm a kind man, you know, and before he used humor and he was quite sarcastic and he thought, you know, he was the life of the party and people really just thought he was obnoxious. You know, so it was all this attention seeking Uh that made his partners like, I don't want to be involved with this, you know, Um, and it was turning people off and he didn't even realize it. And it was so ingrained into his conscious, unconscious behavior. So the thing is, yes, this can be healed and changed. And like what he had is something that someone else will not have, you see. 
So once I really do the deep dive into the trauma assessment work and know how to help them, that's how the healing begins. And that's always part one. And then part two of my training is around singles getting out there and successfully dating to only date emotionally healthy people and for the couples to really work on their relationship and bettering that. And that program is called Relationship Rescue. I can't begin to imagine how many great testimonies you have, like the one that you just shared. That is awesome. You are thorough. I'm sure as a coach, the reflection of what I'm hearing here today is what you're sharing as a coach that definitely reflects into what you're doing for your clients. So let's go now into what you are doing and what you can do and what someone who wants to contact you where they would find you. You're offering some gifts as well. Please share that. I just trust that this is going to be a real motivation for people to connect with you because you have so much to offer. You are saying things today that I have not heard before. I mean, I've heard them, but I've not Mm -hmm. heard someone say, I can do this. I can help you with this. This is what you need to recognize. We have all related in some way. So I thank you for that. So now tell us what you're offering in free gifts, what what your services are as well, and how someone can contact you. Sure. Well, the best place to start is my website, which is my name, rihannamilne.com. And when you go there, if you go in the books tab, you get the first 60 pages of my both, both my books, Live in Love Beyond Your Dreams. So Love Beyond Your Dreams is about that emotionally healthy relationship and Live Beyond Your Dreams is about the mindset for success. So it's from fear and doubt to personal power, purpose and success. And you need both to have a healthy, happy life and relationship. So they're called sister books. They're meant to go together. So get the free pages there. I have four free love tests for singles and couples. I have the free ebook, How to Have the Love You Deserve, and going into the childhood trauma patterns even more so. And then uh, lots of articles. And then my podcast is called Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. And I have 106 shows out on all podcast platforms. And on my YouTube channel, I think I have 230 audios and videos in my library there to help you in your journey of where you are. So I would love to meet you right now. There's a $47 assessment session that's normally 497 that I get to the deep issues and concerns that you're having about your life or love situation. And I meet with you one-on-one. So I would love to meet you if you have any concerns. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. You've covered it all. <laughs> I just that want is, to encourage them not to wait. You know, now is the time yes, to create yes. that life they desire and to have the love that they deserve. And you definitely are motivating. And I, I just cannot share enough of how deeply you have personally touched me. And I, can, I know that you are going to help so many other people. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for what you have shared today. All your connections as far as the love tests and your books, everything is going to be on your show notes. And so people can just click into that and they'll get right to you. They can buy your book. Definitely, they need to buy your books. They need to connect with you. And even if it doesn't go too far, I'm sure that even doing that $47 uh, assessment initially is going to really help them and trust that they will pursue 
getting better. We all yeah. want to get better. That's the bottom line to all of this. And you have That's been right. so thorough. And I, I just can't express that deep enough of how much I appreciate what you've shared today. Anything you. you want to say in closing? I thank you, Carol, for helping me, you know, change the way the world loves. It all begins with education and healing and full conscious awareness. So thank you for bringing this message out today. And thank you so much for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.